If you want a great conversation with a Philadelphia sports figure you should know more about, listen to One on One with Matt Leon on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. All right, Brian, I know there's a lot that the city of Philadelphia is known for, whether it's the the Liberty Bell or the Rocky statue, cheesesteaks, yes. the, the big pretzels, the love statue. Yes. Park. We, we got all sorts of things in the city that, that have become pretty synonymous with it. Are they cliches? Yes. But are they endearing things? Of course, they're part of our fabric as Philadelphians, part of our identity. You know, Jay, I've lived in the area my whole life. And while I think people who live in this region have a good understanding of how much it does for health care, I'm not sure if Philadelphia gets the true props it deserves, especially outside the city, for being a leader when it comes to R&D and discovery for big-time, really important healthcare breakthroughs. Now, there have been some really big discoveries that have been here in the last few years, figuring out how to use the mRNA to fight COVID, for example, developing cutting-edge eye droplets. And now, researchers at Temple University could be on the verge of something pretty massive. How exciting is this? I mean, we've had AIDS, HIV, for 40 years. And now we actually do have the potential for a cure. And it's coming from Philadelphia. It's thrilling. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Brian Seltzer. And today we're going to talk with Lynn Atkins about the story that she's done on gene editing technology and how there could be a cure. Yes, a cure for HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. Amazing. Just thinking about the timeline for that and how long AIDS and HIV have been around. So incredible to think that we could be on the cusp of really clamping down on it. But violence, obviously, Jay, there's no bigger issue in the city than that. And I thought yesterday it was really encouraging to hear that the city is rolling out a new 24-hour violence prevention hotline. City Council President Daryl Clark says it is literally as simple as dialing three digits. Sometimes in government, we figure out a way to make it difficult. So today we're going to make it easy. Two, one, one. We have to figure out a way to approach this in a broad-based way. We talk frequently about all hands in. Well, this is giving everybody an opportunity to have their hands in this. Now, Mayor Jim Kenney says that support staff is going to be available 24-7. You can call, text, email, or web chat simply 211. In reading some more about this story that Raquel Williams put together, I think the confidentiality part of this is really big, Jay, where if you're in a community where you overhear something or you witness something and you don't want to be identified, one of the big points of this hotline, 211, is that you can call confidentially and in secrecy, relay the information that you saw, and hopefully help get some people the assistance that they need. It, it's something that is definitely needed. Another thing that we have seen lately is the incredible outpouring of support for Ukraine throughout the entire area. Now, there have been such things as GoFundMes and clothing drives. People have gone back to Ukraine to help out on the ground. We spoke with Mark Lucher last week, and he had the, the fuzz thing. I forgot the That's name right. of it. but The it's fuzz the, pedals. The, the, the fuzz, dirty hippie, right? The, the fuzz pedal, the dirty hippie. All those are going to help people in Ukraine. Well, another professor at Newman University who's done research on Eastern Europe, Yanis Chakars, is putting together a punk rock album to raise money for humanitarian aid to Ukraine. People screaming and singing, you know, and crying out in the way that they do in this genre of music. Uh, you can't listen to this record and not get hit in the heart a little bit. 
Yeah, Jay, I think this story is so great. Uh, Giannis was able to get nine bands from the U.S., seven bands from Ukraine to contribute songs for this punk rock album that he's putting together. But it was also wild to hear the stories of how these songs were sent to Giannis from the bands in Ukraine. I mean, some of these groups and the people in them are literally fleeing their home country right now in the cities where they lived. And they're still trying to get him the music to put out there to help raise funds. So you can look in the show notes for links with more information about the album and how you can support it. Today, we've got to show some love to Mercedes Kalau. Now, she's a nurse at Jefferson Washington Township Hospital and was recently honored for her exemplary service during the pandemic. Here's the thing about Mercedes Kalau. She's 83 years old. <laughs> no, I am never scared. I'm a brave nurse. And I said that if I will get it, it means that um, it is meant to be. I'm very strict and I, I explained to the patient that this is the way it has to be. You got to listen to your nurse. I said like that. And before they leave, they give me a hug and a kiss. <laughs> she said she's never scared. I appreciate that. The 2005 version of me appreciates her saying she's never scared. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing. You can hear in her voice that she's not scared. She is brave, but she's apparently just over five feet tall. But talk about a powerhouse standing up to the coronavirus and just putting herself out there serving people in need during one of the worst times in terms of global health that we've seen in in generations and mercy kalal big shout out miss <laughs> kalal she received the daisy award an international award and nurses are nominated for it by patients and hospital staff so it's just an amazing honor for miss kalal coming up we're going to be talking more about some other incredible work happening in the healthcare community locally. That's thanks to researchers at Temple University, where they could be working on a potential long-awaited cure for HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. We'll hear from Lynn Atkins, who has more on this coming up next. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. I'm Brian. And for the better part of the last two years, everything about COVID, the coronavirus, has basically had the entire planet in a vice grip from how you get it to how deadly it could be to more recently, how you can just protect yourself from it. Nearly 40 years ago, we were having a lot of the same conversations about HIV, which is the virus that causes AIDS. And it's amazing to think that we might finally be on the verge of a massive breakthrough 40 years into the AIDS epidemic, thanks to some researchers right here in the city of Philadelphia. Yeah, guys, let's welcome back Lynn Adkins, who's been covering this story and looking into it. Lynn, thanks once again for being with us. Thanks very much for inviting me. All right, so a potential cure for HIV AIDS. Is this for real? Are Temple researchers really close to cracking this? How exciting is this? I mean, we've had AIDS, HIV, for 40 years. There's no vaccine. There's no cure. And now we actually do have the potential for a cure, and it's coming from Philadelphia. It's thrilling. It's amazing because I think that perhaps, whether because people are too young out there or just because we've had the pandemic and coronavirus at the forefront of our minds the last two years, you forget that there are some other really serious, life-threatening, consequential, infectious diseases out there. And for people of a certain age, I'm in my mid-30s, I vividly remember in the early 1990s when there was just the explosion of HIV and AIDS cases, how scary of a time that was. Horrifying for the many communities in our area. But the thing is, though, I think where you have to put it in perspective is that we do have treatments. 
for HIV. It's not the death sentence it once was. It used to be a complete, you got AIDS, you died. But now we have treatments. There's medication, a cocktail of medications that you take. Unfortunately, with medications, there are side effects. And you're taking a lot of medications. They interact with one another. And some of the horrible side effects of these medications, you have fatigue. You have rashes, dizziness, vomiting, pain, fatigue. You can live, but you're going to have a lesser quality of life. So the fact that there might be actually a cure that means you don't have to take any of that medication, that's really groundbreaking stuff. And the researchers are thrilled. Okay, let's meet some of the researchers that you spoke with at Temple. My name is Kamel Khalili, and I am a professor and chair of the Department of Microbiology. My name is Trisha Berto. I'm associate professor in the Department of Microbiology, Immunology, and Inflammation. In talking with them, Lynn, what did you learn? Well, what they're doing is they're using a tool called CRISPR. It's based on CRISPR. Now, to try and explain what CRISPR is, it's a gene editing tool that's now being used in cancer. It's also being used in uh, sickle cell anemia. And what happens is With the gene editing, you go in and you take out a section of the DNA and you remove the HIV and the DNA repairs itself. And it's kind of complicated because it's not a cutting like we think. It's not cutting with a knife or scissors. It's a blend. It's uh, molecules and it's proteins and it enters the body and it goes right to where the DNA is and it splices out the HIV section of the DNA. And then the human DNA just repairs itself. You can imagine that we have uninfected host cells, Let's, let's call it T cells, which gets infected with HIV and HIV DNA integrates in the T cells. Now you can provide the T cells with a CRISPR molecule, which contains that segment of the RNA complementing the the viral genome. And at the same time, it has that editor protein Cas9, which cleaves the viral genome combination of this interaction results in the elimination of the uh, viral DNA from the host. Now, it enters the body in an interesting way. It's an infusion, like a chemotherapy infusion. So you sit in a chair or you watch your podcasts or you do whatever you're doing on your phone, and you sit there for a couple of hours and this infusion goes into your body and it goes to work. And in a couple of weeks, HIV is gone. This sounds like almost sci-fi and futuristic. We're talking about modifying DNA, but I know that I've heard CRISPR before. How long have they been working on this? They've been working on this for quite a while, and the research that they have done is just in animals. It's done in mice, and it's been done in primates. That was the whole point of doing the non-human primate studies. So that's the studies that uh, me and Kamel were most recently involved in and published in Nature Communications. And so those animal studies were for that purpose, right? So it was to say, if you give, you know, animals different doses of this, is it safe? Is it tolerable? And then, you know, is it effective? Can we see that we did cut the HIV out of the DNA? The answers to all of those was, was yes. 
So that really gave the ability then and to test this in human and to, and to make sure that because obviously monkeys and humans are different and HIV and monkeys, it's called simian immunodeficiency virus. They're very similar, but not exactly the same. Right. So so the next step would be then to, to look at this in human. They've come up with this process. This is their baby. They come up with a way that we can get rid of HIV in primates. It now has to be tested and it has to be refined in humans. That could take a couple of years. We're not getting there yet, but we're well on our way. And it's the first time we've come up with something that even looks like it might be a cure for HIV. So that's really exciting. And CRISPR has been around for a bit and it's been used successfully. It is a little bit controversial because you are editing human DNA, and that can be a problem. But when you're looking at how we're going to advance medicine, it's really remarkable stuff. I'm not sure if this is a question, but it's just something that I'm thinking about while we're talking through this. For everyone who, while the pandemic was going on, you're thinking from the beginning in March of 2020, well, when are we going to find a cure for COVID? When's the vaccine going to come along? It happened in less than two years where something like HIV-AIDS, we're talking about over four decades that researchers and scientists have been trying to find a breakthrough here. I think that speaks to just how big of a discovery this could be. It is a huge discovery, but don't forget that the vaccines for COVID had been in the works for a very long time. It wasn't as if it was an overnight thing. And that's the same thing here. It just so happens that the research comes to fruition now, but they've been working on it for a long time. People have been trying to crack HIV for years, and there are vaccines on the horizon for HIV. They're just not approved yet. So that, too, will come. Yeah, the behind-the-scenes work with stuff like this, it's really fascinating. Did you get a sense, Lynn, in speaking with the researchers, how conclusive the results were in the testing they did of the animals, the mice, the primates? Could they say to an X percentage of effectiveness, we can assure you that this technology, this science works? I asked that question and I didn't get a definitive answer. That's one thing that we don't know as of now. You know, we do know that when it is delivered and when it does get into the cell and cleaves, if you remove a, a big piece of this HIV, the virus will not be able to replicate. But we can't say that at this point, you know, hopefully in the future studies, we'll be able to you know, be more precise with this, but we can now say we're hundred percent cleaving um, the virus, every virus in the whole body. That's the goal, obviously. It's not exactly the same because you're talking about a primate form of the virus. It's not the human form of the virus, but they're hoping that the results will be 90, 95% effective. They won't know that for a while, but they're very optimistic that it's going to be spectacular. You mentioned that, you know, modifying DNA could be problematic and controversial. Do they know what the risks are? When you're researching something as spectacular as a cure for HIV, I don't think your mind even goes to that. Your objective is to try and cure a deadly disease, and that's what you think of. And here's a tool that is in use. CRISPR is already in use. You let medical ethicists deal with the rest of it. Just to reset on the timeline, what's left on the to-do list for 
Dr. Khalili and Dr. Berto as they continue with this and try and facilitate it towards companies that can then further carry out the studies and trying to get results. Well, they'll be working more on their process, trying to refine things and make sure everything is working properly. Of course, we're doing the human trials right now. That's the key right now to find out how effective it is, how safe it is, how it's tolerated. When you say for uh, some people trial started, they, they think that the Patients are lining up there or sitting in the chair in the room and then uh, hooked up to the material, which uh, CRISPR solutions. But the start of the clinical trial, there, there is a process because they have to identify the individual who are eligible. And then we are not actually uh, aware about the detail of that. Yeah. So if you look at clinicaltrial.org and you look at you know their clinical trial, it says, it says now, you know, open for enrollment. And so that means that they're, act, you know, they're screening now open to start screening. And I think, you know, they have a number of different sites. And I think right now, um, just one of the sites is open for enrollment. So, so that is what they mean by, you know, the trials ongoing. They haven't dosed any, any people yet. It was well tolerated. It was very safe. And it was very effective in primates. You have to wait for the human studies and see. And then, of course, you have to compile all the research, all the data, all those pages, and send it to the FDA and wait for approval. You know, when we spoke the other week about the research and development being done with plant-based proteins that could help stop the spread of COVID, and I think of some of the researchers that worked with mRNA at Penn, and now you look at this study being done at Temple— I mean, to me, it is amazing the amount of discovery, scientific and medicinal discovery, taking place right here in our own backyard in Philadelphia. Do we get enough credit as a city, as a hub for this type of research, this type of study? I feel like when you think of Philadelphia, maybe not the first thing you associate with it is this type of scientific and medicinal discovery. I disagree. I think we get the credit we deserve. Philadelphia is considered an incredible healthcare city. I mean, think about it. We have Children's Hospital. We have St. Christopher's Hospital for Children. We have Penn. We have Jeff. We have Temple. We also have Will's Eye Hospital. We have an incredible amount of research going on and facilities. We're so lucky to be in this part of the country. We have DuPont right down the road. You know, you figure you're out in the middle of the country or you may be in the South. You don't have the plethora of hospitals that we have. They're all doing incredible research, groundbreaking research. And I think we do get the credit we deserve. I mean, Temple Lung Center is world-renowned, for example. I absolutely agree. I, I do think, Brian, that one of the first things I think of when I think of Philadelphia's expertise and what we have here that we're really good at that can help the, the country – Medical research is definitely right at the top. Absolutely. It's one of the biggest employers in the region, too. And there's a long history of it. I mean, I'm not saying conventional medicine happened at the Mutter Museum, but I mean, looking back at <laughs> some of the studies there, I mean, there is a history there. That is the coolest place. <laughs> I love wandering around there. I feel like I haven't heard that much about this until, until you brought it up, the fact that there is possibly a cure. I've heard about CRISPR research but I hadn't heard it in the context of, yes, there is something that has cured HIV, even just in animals. Do you feel like this is not as big news as it should be? Or why is it not bigger news? Or maybe it will be they're just kind of waiting for the confirmation that it works in humans? I can't answer that question because this has been published research. Mm. It's out there. 
Why others have not picked it up, I can't answer. I saw it, and immediately my antenna went up because right. this is the kind of information I want to go after because it helps so many people. It's so relevant. It's local, and it's explosively exciting. As you said, I mean, this is something we've been looking for for 40 years, and it's on the horizon, and it's coming from Philadelphia. I think something else worth remembering, too, is that perhaps in the United States, HIV-AIDS is not as big of a front-burner issue as it was 30, 40 years ago, but other parts of the world very much deal with HIV-AIDS in a very serious way, and this is technology that perhaps come from here and be sent out into the rest of the world. Absolutely. As we mentioned with the cocktail of medications and the therapies, people are living for decades with HIV. So you're right. It's not as big a deal in our country, but in other parts of the world it is. But can you imagine if we can cure this? What's next? Whatever it is we know, Lynn Adkins will be on top of it. Lynn, as always, thanks so much for stopping by and sharing your insights. You're more than welcome. Nice to see you. Now you can check out Lynn's story. It's in our show notes. You'll find the link right down below. We want to thank her for coming on with us. That's it for this Tuesday. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Serka. I'm Brian Seltzer. And we'll be back at you on Wednesday when we talk about the importance of the Trans Day of Visibility, which will be recognized around here in the city of Philadelphia and across the world on Thursday. Until then, have a good one. <laughs>